Hello, friends, and welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. My name is Scott Cowan, and I'm the host of the show. Each episode, I have a conversation with an interesting guest who is living in or from Washington State. These are casual conversations with real and interesting people. I think you're going to like the show. So let's jump right in with today's guest. Well, we're going to jump right in. I am with the operations manager for Remlingers. Remlingers. I'm going to say it right one of these days. I said it right all along and I can't do it. It's kind of my usual. I warned you about this, Nathan. And <laughs> the operations manager, Nathan Shurfee. Nathan, you are the grandson of the original founder, if you will, of Remlingers Farms out there in Carnation. I remember the farm from when I had young kids and a kid's mom grew up out in that area and we would go out there and things have changed a lot. First off, that was before you were born. And uh, (laughs) so please, I'd like you to introduce yourself. Like I told you before, we got two introductions I need from you. One is your background and then let's talk about the farm's origin story and then we'll, we'll get into today's stuff. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for the invite. You, you say that now, but by the time we're done, you might be happy to leave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you want me to start with uh, a little bit of my background? However you want to do it. Yeah. Let's start with you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I grew up in Chehalis, Washington, went to a high school, WF West, um, had a great time there, um, played sports, uh, graduated as valedictorian 4.0 and then went on to play college basketball at Willamette University in Salem, Oregon and uh, had a great four years playing there and also learning, uh, going to school. I got a double major in um, economics and uh, uh, business. And then I went, they have a MBA program right across the street. And so I went and got my master's in finance and entrepreneurship. And uh, now then the last like five years, I've been working with my grandpa who started Rimlayer Farms and uh, taking that over. Well, let me ask you this question. So is working for your grandfather the the first job out of college? No, 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 no. I, I actually, I started really young. Now my first like real, real job was right when I turned 16, I started working for McDonald's. And then like worked at GNC, uh, worked for State Farm, um, uh, Coastal Community Bank. Uh, I had multiple different jobs, okay. but even at a young age, I think I was 12, I got really involved in stocks and um, a guy in town, his name was Sean Kirk. He actually passed away not too long ago, but he was an Edward Jones advisor. And mm-hmm. uh, I would spend an hour to after like middle school uh with him learning stocks and everything and he got me so involved like at an early age something called facebook came up when i was in like seventh grade and uh i bought a lot of it so i can't thank him enough (laughs) okay all right yeah i gotta ask this question so mom mom and dad were were they you you, I, i can imagine you know a young Nathan coming to mom and dad and pitching, Hey, I want to buy stock in this company. Well, what's it called? Facebook. Well, what <laughs> is it? Well, it's this place where everybody's going online. Yeah. What are you talking yeah. about? You know, I can imagine the dinner table might've, that might've been an interesting conversation. Yeah. I was already a weird kid. Like I never wanted like Christmas gifts or birthday presents at a young age. I was always saying like, I just want money. And they're like, what are you going to do with it? Put it in my bank account. And they're like, do what? And nothing until actually it was my grandfather, the one I, Remlier, Gary, uh, I want to say I was maybe eight years old or something. And he bought me my first ever stock. It was a stock in Disney. And I would, I had no, I, I was like, so I can own like a share of a company. And at the time when I'm a little kid, I thought one share of Disney, I thought I was like, I was rich. You were I, the monopoly guy, the, yeah. the top hat on. Uh, that's yeah. awesome. Zero idea. There's billions of shares issued in that company. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I got involved really early. And so I was fascinated by it. Now, um, saved up my bank account, all this stuff. I think by the time I was like in eighth grade, I had like two or three grand saved up, some in the market, some in my bank account. 
and started working for Sean uh, Edward Jones. And uh, for like six months, he's teaching me diversify, diversify. Awesome. Facebook comes out and he's like, our company is going heavy in this. I'm putting almost like 30, 40% of my portfolio into this Facebook company. And uh, I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. He's like, no, I'm actually going to take all your money and put it into it. And I was like, I don't want to do that. He's like, no, trust me, you'll like it. I'm so <laughs> glad he made me do that. <laughs> wow. So do you remember what you bought Facebook at? It was, uh, I think, like 20 bucks or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That was some really solid advice. Yeah, do you I, still but, have the Disney share? Uh, I actually do. Um, That's cool. I recently did like I bought this house actually and had to sh sell a lot of my stock. So I sold most of it. There's only a little bit of stock I have left in my account right now, but one of them is still that Disney share. I, I don't know if I'll ever sell it. No, man, you should, you should make <laughs> them give you a stock certificate order, you know, the old school paper stock certificate oh, and yeah. hang it on the wall. That would be, that'd be cool. All right. That would be. So you were an, you know, you were a nerd as a kid. And I mean that in a complimentary way. You were, I can't imagine in middle school, your friends were hanging out at the, at the Edward Jones office with you. I, I really think that's a, a really cool story. And so yeah. you, you graduated with a 4.0, mm -hmm. you went on to Willamette, you got an MBA as well. And now you're at your grandfather's farm. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that because for people that are unfamiliar with the farm, which might be somebody who's listened to this outside of the state of Washington, but most, most of our listeners are, are, are Washington state residents. And if you're in the Puget Sound region, I think most everybody knows the name, um, Eastern Washington, maybe not, maybe so. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the story. Your grandfather started it. What was his motivation? Yeah, well, I mean, he started it with his dad. His dad was a farmer. He was a farmer. Um, loved that whole being outside, hard work, that that sort of old school, hardworking mm -hmm. ethic. So, no, at, at the time, his vision was just uh, he wanted to be a farmer. He wanted to grow crops. He wanted to eat his own food. He wanted to sell it. He just loved being outside and working. Okay. Uh, so that, that was really what what he started as now that vision changed with a lot of things that, that happened i thought i read somewhere what we consider remlinger farms now started with your grandfather selling sacks of corn on the side of the road yeah okay yeah he he sold sacks of corn on the road he actually even sold in high school he was selling uh before they even started remlinger farms he planted a bunch of like rose bushes everywhere and he would uh he would travel the state of washington up and down selling um roses he would ride around on his bike and like during valentine's uh christmas those times he would be like out at stores knocking on people's door selling bouquets of roses for like their husbands wives to give all yeah so he was really we we've got this, you know, this, the hustle culture and the grind culture and all that, but he was really, he was pounding the pavement and shoe leather. I mean, he was out there working and, and hustling and sounds like you kind of inherited some of that from your, your early start too. Yeah. I like to think I did. He actually, uh, he always tells the story. No, I, I don't know. Cause I can't back it up, but I'm going off his word. He was, uh, at the time, cause he was selling all corn and roses. He was the only one in his high school that bought his own car and not only did he have one he had two cars in high school and just from him selling roses and corn and <laughs> was that incarnation yep back okay. incarnation yeah and we're talking that's 19 like 30 1940 yeah <laughs> well no, no wait a second your, your grandfather's still alive right yeah he's 80 years old so if he's 80 so we got to go back you know yeah so 80 i guess we go back so yeah. That's almost the fifties, man. Actually fifties. You're right. Yeah. No. That's almost the, yeah. not to correct you, but that's almost the fifties. Yeah. No, you're right. That's you're right. The, if this story is true. And since we're recording it, it's now we're, it's not true. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, the old joke, it's Facebook official. Well, okay. Anyway, <laughs> that's amazing that in the, in the late, late, late post-World War II, yep. that he would have been, 
the only student in his school. Now, Carnation was a farming community back then and all of that. So, I mean. His school, he, he always tells me, he, I think he graduated with eight people as uh, his class. Eight I think people. Eight people is his class. Uh, I think in their school, they maybe had, they, obviously they had probably around 40, four classes, like from ninth grade to 12th grade. So they probably had 40, under 50 people probably at their school. I just published an episode with a, a, a social studies teacher at Wenatchee High School. Okay. okay. I asked him and they have over 2000 students this year at that high school. So that's, that's, you know, 40 to 2000. Like, that's crazy. Awesome. So he's, he does this, he's got two cars. He's, he's entrepreneurial. He's, he's, I, I, I say hustle with a compliment. I think a lot of people that, that word just gets, is just gotten, mm-hmm worn out by people, but he was hustling. He was, he was working hard when, and what, another thing I read is the farm was about 350 acres. Yeah. It, more around 300 acres. There's oh, 300. been since we've sold over time. So at one oh. point, yeah, you're, you're right. About, so it was about three, 350 to we'll say to start if you will then. Yeah. And now it's currently it's around 300. Yep. Okay. Of that 300, how much of that is in actual production? Meaning what exactly? Are you still growing crops? Yes. Okay. So of, of the 300, about how much is under production for crops? Yeah, I would say, uh, what's probably getting grown. It's probably, there's a hundred and probably 120 acres, a hundred to 120 acres of, uh, still agriculture going on. And what are you, well, not you, well, maybe you are, but what what are you growing these days? Yeah, so um, right now we are solely growing um, corn, pumpkins, strawberries, and raspberries. Um, okay. Those four. Yeah. Okay. Over the years, what else, other crops uh, was your grandfather growing there? We're talking everything. He grew things <laughs> from like, yeah, carrots to uh, hay. Yeah, sorry. So we do uh, feed, like hay feed, everything. Um, okay. Christmas trees he grew. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, rem- I kind of remember that. Yeah, yep. Okay. Blueberries was popular. He always did that. Um, okay. Yeah, all, I mean, we're talking, I'd have to ask him, but he's grown a lot. Okay. I'd be interesting. I always, I, I love to ask this type of question to people like, so what didn't work out? Because I always, because I think we learn from like, well, we planted asparagus and it just didn't work because, yeah. da, 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 da. but we pit, we, we changed from asparagus to blueberries and you know, that's when we, you know, skyrocketed. So I'd be curious what he might've tried over the, over the years that just didn't take off. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, so why we don't grow blueberries anymore, um, where we had a different location where we did grow them. We get this kind of wind draft through the Valley. Um, mm-hmm. and where we're kind of at, it actually kind of freezes a little bit. And mm. so it would always destroy the blueberries um, in the early mornings and freeze them and they wouldn't be good. And then Christmas trees, he actually had like a flood come in and uh, Christmas trees, you grow them and they're, it's not till like years later, they're at their, when they're ready to pick. Marketable. So when a flood came, it's not like it killed any of them, but it put mud on all of them. And so then they were basically like unsellable. And so it took tons of work to like wash the trees and do all this stuff to try to sell them. And so Gary, basically, he said, after that happened, he's like, we're letting these ones grow. We're selling these ones and we're, we're getting out of this business. I'm not, I can't risk like this yeah. happening again would never have thought that a Christmas tree farm and a flood would be the, re- you know, I mean, it's just, you know, huh. all right. Yeah. yeah. What I remember of, of when I took my kids there. And so this would be 25 years ago or so mm-hmm. was very family friendly, very kid centric. My kids loved going there. Um, my kid's mom remembered it is that way when she was a kid. So boom, boom, boom. Okay. What was his vision when he first started the farm and to open it to the public and, and be this? What was, so what was his vision? Yeah, um, I can get into, I can tell you about how it came to like, he started opening to the public. But yeah, once he started opening to the public and people really started coming and how he kept growing it, he really just wanted like it to be an experience for everybody to like 
get outside, come see a farm. There were a lot, a lot of our customers were people like from Seattle mm -hmm. who aren't really, they, their outside was just a walk around the park. They've never really actually been to a farm, a working farm and seen how everything works and the smells and everything that go right. along with the farm. Right. I, I saw a news story one time. It was about a, probably a, late elementary, early middle school age kid in New York city who had never seen a cow in real life before. You know, I mean, it, it just, we grow up. I mean, I grew up in the kind of the Tacoma area and, and my neighbors had cows and all that and on five acres, not, not something big, but I never really, never really thought about somebody who grows up in a city, like even Seattle, right? Like where do carrots come from? Yeah. You know, I mean, they're not, you're not necessarily growing a bunch of carrots at that time, at least, you know, back in green Lake, around Seattle. So he wanted to do this for an experience. And he was, I mean, from the visual outward signs, he was, he was successful at that. He, he, he was almost, you know, before his time, as far as the whole agro tourism type thing that's prevalent now. Yeah. And we'll get back to this, but I'm going to jump. Okay. So when I was on the website today, you see kind of a, I'll call it a roller coaster, but it was not, it's not one of those things you see like at Disneyland. I mean, it's, a, but it's a roller coaster, right? You got a brewery there now. Yep. Thought I read a blurb about that was the brewery might've been your idea. So actually um, everyone thinks that cause like, of course a kid that right once they get out of college, of course he's going to start a brewery, a bar or something like that. It was actually uh Gary's idea. I just, I've been able to really like help him like and encourage these ideas for him to actually do. Uh -huh. um, he actually had that for a long time. And I, he was telling me about one of these days. I was like, that's a great idea. So he has tons more ideas. I can't wait to like, keep on like building his future that he envisioned and for it to keep coming alive with him. But no, it actually was his idea. <laughs> that's actually kind of a cool twist on the story, but, what I do, what I do know about, you know, opening a brewery is you got to jump through a lot of hoops. Um, you have to like build it and commit to it with pretty significant financial outlay and then get permission almost like you gotta, you gotta like yeah. have it, can't use uh -huh. it. And then you gotta come out and go, Hey, will you approve this? And yeah. I've talked to other, you know, distillery owners in, in Washington state, you know, small distilleries, small, small brewers. That's gotta be, to me, that's terrifying to like go and spend a lot of money on equipment, get it all configured, all set up. Can't do anything with it. And yep. then, so walk me through that. Was that one of the yeah. first projects you were involved with by chance? Yeah, it was actually one of the first early ones that, okay. um, Again, Gary said, let's do this. I was like, great. And he's like, okay, I'm going to keep farming. You do it. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, <laughs> oh, let's find this out. Um, but no, you're 100% right. You cannot start the permit process or get approval until basically you've bought and ordered the equipment and it's like getting shipped or it's going to get shipped. Yeah. Then you get, it's crazy. You're like, can you guys deny me? And they're like, of course we can deny you. And you're like, but I bought all the equipment. So no, that's crazy. And I always joke, um, I know zero about brewing. Now I actually do know a lot, but okay. when I first went, I mean, I went and visited, we were, I, um, went to like stout tanks in Portland. And I remember like going through and kind of shopping and, uh, they're like, so this is our, like our bright tank. And I was like, oh, cool. That's what makes the beer. And they're like, oh boy, like we have a live one. They were like, yeah, come here. Like, oh, he's going to buy everything. And like, luckily they didn't, no one treated me that bad. Now they upsold me on a few things. I, I, now that looking back, I'm like, I probably could have saved uh, maybe 20 grand on the, like, I did not need to buy this at all, but right. <laughs> yeah. that's funny. So, so a crash course is definitely what happened in my brewery experience. That's kind of an interesting way to get your feet wet in, 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 in on a project is, is to me that it's a complicated process of, you know, like you said, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta buy everything. You gotta, you know, 
and then, and then you can ask for permission to use it. And yeah, you know, so without going too deep into the weeds, how was the approval process? Was it pretty straightforward for you guys? Yeah. So, um, basically what, um, if you're zoned and everything, so you can do kind of those type of things, but then when it actually comes to the approval process really is, um, there's something called the TTB and it's a federal permitting for like selling, uh, for like your distilling and your alcohol wine, everyone has to do it. Um, and then you have to also get state approval. State is usually, if you're zoned, they're basically they're going to give it to you if you're following like code and everything. So you don't really have to worry about that. It's more of the federal permit of like, Hey, I bought this equipment. Now I'd like to get my federal permit to do this. And they're kind of like, well, okay, fill this out. And you're, you do everything and you're like submitting it and they're like, Hey, we'll get back to you in months from now. And you're like, what's going on? Like, yeah. And don't bug us on the, by the way, don't bug us. Cause then we'll go slower. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So how long, so when did the brewery open? Uh, it opened, um, basically the beginning of last year. So, uh, um, uh, May of last year. Okay. Yeah. And putting you on the spot, mm-hmm. what's your favorite beer that you guys produce? I, I mean, I still have like, I have baby taste buds. I like your, I don't like dark beers. If that now okay. I don't mean to like, if people that like, it's okay. There's no wrong like, answer here. There's yeah. no wrong answer. I like like your Pilsners, your Kolsch. I love those type of beers. Those okay. like summer ale type beers. Any of those like once we get past IPA into like anything above. So, so you're I not a fan of porters or stouts. No. Stouts, porters. I, I can't do it. I can't it's do okay. it. You'll grow up. It's okay. <laughs> so what are you guys currently brewing there? Well, we're actually... Uh, He's brewing all sorts of different things. So we have 20 different beers on tap at all times. And um, all yours, all Remlingers? All, all of ours. Yeah. So wow. all across the board, he does a great job of, um, I mean, we've had so many different beers and there's always like three or four he has ready to go. So once one's gone, that's not one of our like staple, more popular ones. Right. We'll have a new one come in. But right now we're, he's just finishing up. Um, we have Oktoberfest coming up. Right. Um, so he's been uh, brewing all German style beers. So your Kolsch's, he has like a Marzen, um, different things like that, that okay. he's doing. That's awesome. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So you cut your teeth on a brewery. <laughs> what are you working on now? Yeah. Now um, we actually, uh, we partnered with uh, Seattle theater group and okay. um we were able to do a concert um, a few months ago called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizards. They're an Australian band. I had no idea who they were. I was like, what is this band that they're bringing out? They, so we had 5,000 people a day. It was a three, three day concert. So 15,000 tickets they had available that we had on our property. It sold out, I think, in 32 hours, all 15,000 tickets. I was like, what is this band? Just, um, I think on their, like, uh, they have um, their monthly listens for their, like, their band Mm -hmm. is like a million a month. Like, just a crazy diehard fan base that it was just amazing to see. Like, amazing people were at uh, our place for that Mm -hmm. band. So, we are um we basically got through all the county permits and everything and we're working with them right now to possibly have like a concert venue here um be doing like 10 to 15 maybe even 20 concerts a year okay. uh like can have up to like 6000 people here uh, so that's a good size venue that's a, in in that's outdoors right it'll be an outdoor yeah, venue yep. okay. nope outdoors yep that's that's a that's a really good sized venue to have um, yeah Oh, very cool. So how were the shows? I mean, did you go? Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I worked the whole time. I was, uh, did you enjoy it? Did you, well, maybe not the work, but did you enjoy the music? Loved it. It was great. I never thought I'd be, uh, never even heard of a band called King Gizzard and the lizard and why I would ever be a fan to them beats me, but they were, they were a great band. Awesome. Okay. So yeah. completely off topic, but so 
if that's not your if that's not a name that would resonate with you musically, what what do you listen to musically? What where where do you tend to fall in the? You know? Yeah, I mean, I listen to all sorts of different ones. I mean, I think uh, uh, I love hip hop, pop. Um, I mean, having the basketball world, you you gotta listen to like rap. Like Drake is your number one guy. I, like, there's all sorts of different. You're you're listening to rap. I still love country, and I actually thought when you said like what were you expecting i thought for us being like a farm venue like we're a farm right. that we were going to have more of like um country singers coming out here not like the grateful dead type of music fans is that what out. is that what this band is like is kind of yeah, grateful yeah, dead very similar to that yeah well that's what that's why they have the followers then because exactly you know i mean the grateful dead and i love the grateful dead and i've seen yeah. them i saw them I don't know, 70 times. Yeah. Um, and that that genre of music has a very d- devout following of people who will travel and would yeah. love experiences to go along with the, the music. So coming out to Remlinger Farms would be a, a, a no-brainer. So yep. good good on Sal Theater Group for picking that one. Yeah. And they do, so they do, Sal Theater Group does some great, they could do some great stuff. Oh, so amazing. The the yeah. more I've learned about, like, as I've worked with them, oh, they're a great, amazing yeah. group of people and right. smart yeah. people. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, we could, I could, go, I could, I could hijack the show, but I won't. Okay. <laughs> but you guys also, so, so you guys have, what I remember is like you guys sold pies and, and kind of had a farm store. And you guys mm-hmm. still have that, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Still have but you also have a restaurant now. I don't remember a restaurant. It might have been, you know, food, but I don't remember a restaurant. Yep. And you've got some amusement rides. Yep. You can host up to 5,000 people, let's say, for live music. Uh-huh. No blueberries or trees, or at least Christmas trees. Yeah. Um. What? I, I'm trying to pinpoint what changed. How did you guys go from being... Uh, I don't want to say sleepy. I don't mean it like that, but you know, uh, a, a farm, a farm stand store entertainment concept, but to putting in like amusement rides and, and there's an arcade yeah. brewery. What, what prompted your grandfather? I mean, mm-hmm. that's a big shift. Yeah. That's a big, big <laughs> shift and it's cool, but I want to know, and you, you know, you've talked to him what got him going this direction? Yeah, no, that's uh, an excellent question. I mean, so many people ask, they're like, how, why is there a roller coaster on your farm? So yeah. Why not? I guess would be a good answer, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, um, as I said, Gary was a farmer. That was all he wanted to be. And um, he, strawberries was like one of his go-to crops and it was popular and um i don't want to name the store but a store basically um kind of the big grocery outlet stores they basically came to gary and said they'd like to buy all of his uh strawberries so he had however many acres and so the first year they said we want 100 of your product he grew it all loved it they they sold every single thing. So he, and then they told him, Hey, double your production, double his production. And the next year sold it all. And so he did that. They kept saying, double your production, double your production. And he did that for like three to five years. And then they, again, they told him double your production. So now he has a huge amount of acres growing strawberries, thinking that it's all going to be sold to this um, grocery store franchise. Yeah. And they basically said, we're not buying any of it that final, that final year. And uh, this is at the time where those there wasn't much regulation and uh, these big stores, this is how they actually bought a lot of land is they would kind of do these to farmers and the farmers then would be caught because they obviously took out loans to buy all this, like the seeds and right. labor and all this, the equipment. And uh so he quickly had to figure out a way to sell all his product and it's all, he has to still harvest it as well. And uh, he was going around everywhere, trying to piece together. He said he was only able maybe to like get 10% that he would be able to harvest and sell because no one could get that much. And so 
he was kind of dead in the water and uh he traveled around to other farms across the country and um I think it was like in over in the East Coast and down in like Texas, he heard about some farmers doing something called UPIC. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you see where I'm going is uh, he was actually the first farmer in the state of Washington to do UPIC strawberries and people would come out and now you're not paying nearly as much. Like he wasn't selling the strawberries for that much and people would pick it, come out spend the whole day picking as many strawberries and then buying it and it would be bought by the pound. And uh, he sold all of his product. Now he didn't make as much as he would um, that he would have sold it all to the one store, but he also didn't have as much of a labor cost because right. he didn't have to harvest it. Um, and so he, and everyone came out and they're like, well, what else can we buy here? What else can we do? And uh, people were bringing their children. And so I think it was like the second year he decided to do this again because he still had all the crops and strawberries. They usually last for about three to five years. So you have to, you're still going to, it's still going to be giving off strawberries the, the following year. Right. And uh, kids were coming and uh, they're like, what can the kids do? They're bored out of their mind. And he had a little wagon on the back of his like tractor. And he said, well, throw them in the back and I'll take them around for a tractor ride. And like, and he had like other were like the roses in the corn. He's like, well, I also grow this on the side and you guys can buy this. So people, he now had basically people coming to the farm when no one was coming to the farm before. Right. And as you can see the tractor rides and then he's like, okay, this entertainment thing. Oh, also this market thing i can sell whatever now that people are coming here and it just you can see where it developed and honestly I'm like i want to buy this little ride and just set it up and have kids jump on this inflatable little bounce yeah, house. bouncy house or whatever yeah, yeah a merry a, a, like an old merry-go-round if you will yep. right yep exactly that's cool so when you were a kid growing up did you go there much i did uh, on the summer it, right. during the summers i would basically go and my live with them for two three months during the summer and it was basically my own little mini disneyland i like to say yeah, that'd be kind of cool <laughs> so when you were going to college did you think that this would be where you'd end up no not at all right. um so I how mean, did this how did this come about then if you're you go yeah. to college, you got your MBA and all of that, and this isn't where you thought you'd end up. What brought you to here? Besides it being, I mean, it's your grandfather, but you guys, what was the conversation like? What, 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 how did this all come about? Yeah, no, you're 100% right. I mean, what farmer has a master's in finance and now he's in the dirt, like planting crops and like the dumbest decision ever. <laughs> um, no, uh, Basically, um, COVID was uh, starting to happen and my grandfather really wanted my help and um, he needed some financial help, like my financial background could really help him. And he basically said, hey, don't, I had a job lined up in Everett and also I kind of wanted to try my luck over in New York um, at yeah. Wall Street and see what I could do. And he basically convinced me not to do that, spend a year with him. And I always kind of wanted to, because I remember in my college, um, we would bring entrepreneurs and business people to speak to us mm -hmm. um, and tell us about how they started, what they did. And I remember thinking to myself, like, my grandfather is this person. I can just talk to him about this. I don't need to hear these speakers. Like, I have an amazing business owner grandfather who has done all this as well so i think it was a combo of him wanting me there and me wanting to like pick his brain and like learn about his success and what he did that i decided to drop everything and go be a farmer with him so that was supposed to be for a year at least that was the that was the sales pitch you just described yeah so it's been more than a year so what got you to stay did it do you like getting dirt under your nails? I mean, what is it? You know, this isn't Wall Street. Carnation Washington is not <laughs> Wall Street. I, I, I don't know if you're aware of that yet, but downtown Carnation has nothing to do with downtown New York. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I basically I love um being outdoors and working with him. I think that I at the time um I think I was just kind of solely focused on maybe the money and things like that rather mm -hmm. than like the actual lifestyle. Being in a cubicle is now something I don't want to ever do. And so being able to be like outdoors, like all the time is it, hands down. I made the correct decision. I, I would agree with you. <laughs> having, having, having done my time in corporate, I, I would agree that um, I think the entrepreneurial way of making a living is so much more um, rewarding Mm -hmm. aggravating <laughs> all of the above on any given day, but it's you're you're building something that is a legacy. You know, you're, you're, you're enhancing your grandfather's legacy. You're, mm -hmm. you're building something that will become yours. Um, as we sit, we're recording this and it's, you know, middle of September in 2023. I don't know when somebody's going to be listening to this. What's next? What can you, what can I get you to share? I don't know if there is anything, you know, but you know, I'm not trying to put you too much on the spot, but what's next? What do you guys, I mean, you, you kind of said you're looking for a music venue, but what else is going on there? I, I get the feeling you guys are up to something else. Yeah, no, there's a few things in the works. Um, like we said, uh, music venue, um, always we want to keep expanding on the amusement park. And I think like putt putt has got brought up quite a few times. Um, oh, okay. so yeah, another interesting thing to add to like the arcade and all the like yeah. fun things here. Um, I know different like laser tag things like that. Um, but I would also say one another big one if the concerts continue is uh actually even a hotel um that we're thinking about having coming out here. So wow, okay. That's that's a that's a massive undertaking. Yeah. That's a massive <laughs> undertaking. Okay let's go about the arcade for a second in the, in the, in the huh? amusement park. So what's your favorite part of that? What, what, like, what's, what do you really like? Um, I mean, it's all, I grew up like as a little kid, like cutting in line because <laughs> they all knew who I was like going right up and grabbing like four cotton candies and eating that. And like, like, luckily my parents and my grandparents, they realized I was cutting in line and, having unlimited caramel apples and kettle corn and donuts that they introduced me to all the employees and then told them, don't let him cut. Don't give him any more of that junk food. Like stop doing that. <laughs> um, so it quickly changed where I was like, what the heck? And then of course I was probably like, I'll tell my grandpa on you. And they were probably like, yeah, go ahead. He would probably like, think, he's the one that told me to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh so, God. uh, I, I don't know if I have like a favorite, I mean, um, do you have a favorite memory of, of the farm, like something that when you think back on it, it makes you smile. Yeah. So we have these, um, this pedal go-kart track, um, these little like pedal cars. And I remember as soon as the park closed down, I would immediately like take those out and drive them everywhere in the parking lot all over. <laughs> like I would like, we had like this giant slide and I would take that thing down, like everything you weren't supposed to do. And like, I'm sure like now looking back, like some of those things have a huge maintenance problems. And I'm sure like I caused some of that where like our maintenance guy was like, how the heck is this like pedal go-kart like so messed up? And I'm sure I might've had something to do with that. So. So I, I really kind of think we need to reevaluate your, your backstory here. So what you had said was, you know, COVID was happening. Your grandfather needed some help. I don't think that's true. I think your grandfather wanted you to come back and pay off the debt that you caused by damaging things. I think that's the story here. <laughs> you cost X dollars in cotton candy losses. <laughs> he kept a running tab on you, man. I think that's, you know, with interest now. There was even actually a time where they, now this is a management terrible decision on their part that I'm blaming <laughs> them, but they, uh, so I always, I always worked in the summer too. I didn't get to just play. So I remember like being at eight years old, we have like the U-Pick fields right. and I would be the cash register. So I'd weigh the berries and then charge the people. Well, they once put me in charge of the donut hut. 
<laughs> and uh, it was, uh, I remember them saying they came out to a line that was like 50 people long. And they're like, what the heck? And they go in there. And apparently I was taking a break and just eating donuts. They said I probably had like eight donuts in my hand, just eating donuts. And I'm like, you put an eight-year-old in charge of like doing the cash register for donut the management decision horrible on their part like <laughs> so i've never worked the donut hut since i would have been eight years old or whatever <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> i love that story i i really I, you know after talking to you on the phone and you know in my experiences there as a, as a young dad um i really love what you guys are doing i think it's it's really awesome what you're doing and it's it's become more of a destination than it was when i was there and we had somebody who uh on the website on explore washington state they wrote an article about you guys uh mm -hmm. recently that we published it was a, a pretty small and she went out and spent the day there at the farm and had a great time and i think that's kind of the 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 general consensus is when you go out there, you have a, you have a lot of fun. And I think what you guys are doing is uh, good and in, 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 in good. I think people need to have fun. I think people need to go out to a place that's uh, family friendly and entertaining. And, and, and that doesn't mean it has to be, you know, boring. It can be fun and it should be fun. And if you guys are going to bring out live music, I think that's, I mean, that's, I'd love that personally. I think that's, that's awesome. And I can give you a list of bands you should have out there. Um, I love it. <laughs> now, the future for you, what do you, what, what, you know, break out your crystal ball. What is, what does your future look like? Cause I mean, I'm looking at you and I, I, I only know that you're in your twenties because you graduated from college. Okay. And that you played basketball in college. So I know you weren't just a, you know, a, you might have been a class valedictorian and graduated at 12. No, you played college basketball. So I know you're in your, your, your mid to late twenties. That's about all I can guess, but looking at your face, I would, I would probably card you if you were driving a car, I'd ask you for like, kid, are you really 16? Cause you've got a baby face, man, but break out the crystal ball. Mm -hmm. What, what do you, what do you want? What's exciting for you? What's the horizon look like for you? Yeah. Uh, well, first the answer, I am 28. I know it might not look it, but, uh, oh, no, see, no, honestly, if, 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 if somebody would have introduced me to you, right. In a context and that said, hi, this is Nathan. And I'm like, Hey, Nathan, how, are you? how old is Nathan? I'd honestly probably 18, maybe 20. You, mm -hmm. You've, you've got a baby face, man. Good, good, good on you. I'm not, you know, <laughs> good on you, but 28. Okay. Yeah. So you're 28 years old. You're a, a farmer with an MBA. That's a pretty cool story. What's what, what what's the next chapter is going to look like to you? What do you want them to look like? Yeah. Um, no, that's a great question. I think uh, continuing exactly what I'm doing with the farm, uh, keep growing that. Um, it's definitely the top um, of that list. But like I said, we want to keep expanding um, hotels, maybe on the horizon, different things like that. And I've actually always uh, now I don't know how I. I kind of like politics in a sort. I, I don't know, maybe heading that way. Um, okay. I've, I've always had an interest for it. And I, I don't know why. <laughs> because you were interested in stocks in middle school, man. It kind of makes sense that you're also into politics. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah, I mean, seriously, I mean, that I, I'm not shocked by that answer. I'm not shocked by that. That, that kind of seems like I could see that story. I can see you doing that. Okay. I asked my guests a bunch of questions and, and I'm going to ask you a couple of these questions and you can't answer your farm. Okay. I'm going to, and we can come back, but I'm going to give you a, but we're going to come back and revisit it one more. I'll give you a variation. Okay. So number one, I love coffee. Where's a great place to get coffee that you would recommend? Oh, I'm actually probably the worst person to ask for that because I don't drink coffee and never have in my life. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Where, what have you heard? So do you, do you live in the carnation area? I do. I okay. Do. So what have you heard? You know, you're paying attention to what's going on in your community. Um, oh yeah. 
and I can give you an easy answer. There's a there's a Starbucks incarnation. Oh, there is. Yeah, yeah that's you, can, popular. You, you can you can that that's your get out of jail free one. But outside of that one, huh. what what have you seen that's popular in the carnation area? Yeah, there's um a little shop. It's called Sandy's Espresso. Um, okay. People line up right there. Okay. So no, you're 100 right. There is a Starbucks, and that of course always has a line because Starbucks sells addicting coffee or something. I again, I don't drink it, but. Okay. People are lined up there, but I would say um, for the cute mom and pop shop that I know does a great job, uh, mm-hmm. Sandy's Espresso. All right. I'm going to come over and visit. And I'm going to get there around lunchtime. Okay. There's a great place for lunch in the area. Yeah. Well, of course, I'm going to say the farm. No, but you can't. Again, again, we'll come I, back. I'll give you, yeah. I'll give you like a debate. I'll give you the other, give you two minutes on the other side, but you got to tell me someplace else too. Yeah. So we... We have a few options. We don't have a lot. We're a small town, right. but um, if you like uh, hi- like Hispanic food, we have Extapa. Um, great people, great food. People love it there. What would you recommend there? Uh, depends on what people like. No, I know no, you. What are you going to eat? You and I are going to go grab lunch. We're going to go there. What What are you ordering? I'm either getting like shrimp tacos or like a taco salad. Okay. Yeah. All right. But no coffee. <laughs> no coffee. <laughs> Trust me, there's so many business meetings that I've gone to where people are like, let's meet at this local Starbucks at whatever, 6, 7 a.m. I have to always get there like 15, 20 minutes early and go and order a like a hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. So at least I have something in my hand. And then they think I have a coffee in my hand. So I don't look like a kid holding a hot chocolate in his well, hand. Well, I mean... <laughs> You kind of just made a kid reference there. I'm sorry, you're having hot chocolate. Okay, no, that's teasing you. All right. All right. So, Extapa. All right. Yeah. Now, in an effort, you if I were coming over to Carnation, we were meeting for lunch, we'd probably go to lunch. At the, is is the Reminger Farms, is the restaurant open for lunch? Yep. All right. Yep. What's your go-to meal there? Yours. Yeah, mine. I mean, I switch up all the time, but... Um... Donuts. <laughs> we actually have a great like Reuben sandwich that um, I love solid. having. So um, either that or like this pesto chicken sandwich we have. I, those are probably my two favorite. Okay. All right. Do you guys serve coffee at the farm? We do. We okay. actually uh, recently like partnered with uh, Cafe Darte and. Okay. Uh, so yeah, a lot of people know that. And so we actually are now doing really great coffee, people are telling me. And okay. and so, so why don't again, you drink coffee? What's the what's the I mean, it's you, <laughs> you're a Washingtonian. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah. <laughs> you, you've never tried coffee? I I think I had like one sip of it when like in sixth grade and didn't like it, but it's actually not that reason. It's my whole family is they they claim they are not addicted to coffee. I 100% think they are. <laughs> um, and so I've just seen my whole family, so many people that are, they have to have coffee every morning. Otherwise they can't even function. They're like upset all day until they had their coffee. Right. I never wanted that. So I like, I made it my goal to never do that. And also there is a financial part. Again, we're going back to my nerd self. I, when I go to a restaurant, I can't remember the last time I ever ordered a fountain drink. I only get water. And it's because I looked up like stats of how much people spend per year on like coffee and soda. And I was like, oh my goodness, if I didn't buy coffee or soda, it's like four grand a year that I could be saving and then putting into stocks. And that for that four grand could compound interest over the next 30 years. And I would have this much money. And so. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's, that's a great, that's great. That's a great reason, man. That's a, that's a great, a great, great reason. All right. I have two questions for you. This is, we're going to wrap this up with two questions. I'll Perfect. let you pick. I can okay. give you my, my question that I ask every guest. 
or I can ask you the question of what didn't I ask you that I should have? Which one do you want to answer first? Let's go with your question. Like uh, what you ask every guest. All right. I want you to, it's a simple, simple question, but you have to answer the entire question. Okay. 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 Cake or pie Mm -hmm. and why? Uh, I have to go pie. And it's also because Remlayer Farms, we, <laughs> we sell pie all over the West Coast. So I think if I didn't say that answer, I don't know if my grandfather would actually like. Oh, he, he, is it? Is, okay. Really uh, though? Okay. Pie. That's a great why. Do you like cake? I do. I love okay, cake. Okay. All right. So your last meal. Last meal on earth. Grandpa's grandpa can't, you know, I mean, are you going to pick cake or pie? Oh, and there's no wrong answer here. I mean, no, you know, there is really, there is no wrong answer, but yeah. So cake or pie? Well, it would be pie because okay. there's one pie. It's called the caramel apple pie and okay. I love caramel apples and it tastes like every time I'm biting into it, a caramel apple. So caramel apple pie. That was the next part of it is what, what would be the, yep. the okay. So, you pick pie, caramel apple pie. Yep. Solid. Very solid. All right. As we wrap this up, what didn't I ask you that I should have? Um, I guess uh, people always ask, like, because exactly like you said, they came back when they came when they were 20, like 20 years ago, back when mm-hmm. they were a kid or they had little kids to come to. And, uh, so many people ask like, well, what's changed? Like you have a brewery, like things like that. So I, I always tell them like we, that was one of the things I really wanted was to change the kind of atmosphere, not change it, but add to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have the theme park. Yes. There's tons of rides for like the little kids, but like 10 and under that that's their first time going to amusement park. And so many parents come here before they ever go to Disneyland. Cause it's like the practice when they're like six years old to get ready for Disneyland. <laughs> but uh, we now like add the arcade, a zip line, some bigger rides so that it's now up to like 16 and they would still like it. And then um, now my age, if you don't have kids and you don't really want to go to an amusement park, mm-hmm. there's a whole brewery and things like that. Right. And distillery that now you can enjoy. Did you just side. say distillery? Oh yeah. I forgot to mention. How did we, wait, wait. Yeah. Stop. How did we not to, <laughs> how did we not touch on distillery? Not, not to sound like a raging alcoholic any, you yeah. know, cause I'm not, but <laughs> distillery too. We actually, uh, that's another thing I just started. I actually finally, um, got the TTB federal permits for the distillery. We're finishing up the state permits and we're going to start distilling and we're going to do vodka and whiskey here on the farm and we're going to make it our own. Why? I I know the technical answers that most people would give me, but I'm going to ask you for the answer. Why, why vodka and why whiskey? Yeah. So whiskey, uh, it's something that our brewer really wanted to do. It's, popular it really works well with like beer that we don't sell um we can actually use it in our whiskey production so mm-hmm. we don't have to waste anything okay. and then vodka basically because we're able to infuse it with all of our fruits that we do here like our blueberries raspberries strawberries mm-hmm. so we really want something like that has that farm like flavor to it of all the fruits and stuff we do. And vodka is an easy way to basically have a vodka raspberry flavored drink. And right. so, yeah. When, you know, you're, you're working through permits, but what's your, what's your launch date to start production? For that? Yeah. We're, we're hoping um, early next year. Like I okay. would say around like March is probably when we're going to hopefully Right. be launching and it'll probably take a few months and then we'll start like actually producing batches and then you'll probably see them of course that has to age and we might do um a, a one that comes off within a year but the other ones might take three to five years well the vodka the vodka will be ready right away quicker yeah that's yep. that's a lot of reason distilleries start off with vodkas and gin is because yep. they can they can start to sell the product to recoup some of that cost where whiskeys, yes. wh- whiskeys and others have to age or typically aging, yep. should age. 
Okay. What else? What else? So I'm glad we see. I'm glad I asked that question because we would have yeah. overlooked that. That's cool. What else did I not? Did we not talk about? No, I we kind of covered it. I guess uh, the brewery. We um, like I was saying with the activities we have the brewery. We also do uh, live music with local mm-hmm. musicians and bands in our brewery. Um, it's every Friday, Saturday, and we're starting to do every Sunday from about five six p.m. to about eight nine p.m. Okay. And uh, that's been a huge success. And now it's been amazing because uh, these local artists that they've only like this is their second or third gig they've ever done there. I now see them like in other places. Like I go to a bar over in Issaquah and I'm like, Hey, it's our, the band that like they Mm -hmm. played with us and they're immediately like, like, yeah, I went to your place played and someone heard me and now I'm playing here and I have like four more gigs booked. So that's awesome. We do local musicians and it's been amazing, like turnout and, we we've really liked it. All right. We'll put links in the show notes to people where people can find you online, but why don't you say that out loud here? Where's, where's a good place for people to find out more about Reminger farms online. Yeah. You can go right to our website, um, remlingerfarms.com or our social media. Uh, both we have an Instagram and Facebook that are very popular. So okay. just Remlinger Farms and you'll find us. No TikTok? You guys aren't out on TikTok? I'm kidding. We do. Um, my wife, actually, she started the TikTok and she did. She made a few. And uh, one of them actually got a pretty good amount of traction for, we have like these caramel apple slushies and we also do like um, part where... Uh, like our pie production facility. She recorded that. So that it actually got quite a bit of views. Caramel apple slushies. Yeah. That, that was your cue to expand on caramel apple slushies. Um, sorry, just kidding. (laughs) What that's an intriguing, I'm kind of scratching my head. If you will walk me through caramel apple slushie. Yeah. So basically we, uh, it's a caramel like cider mixture, like slushy cider mixture. And we basically go over the top with dripping caramel all over it. Um, we stick a caramel apple in it. Like it's this whole drink and it's basically, it's a huge success for the social media. Like people buy this thing and they take a picture with this, like, dripping caramel huge drink we also do it in the summertime we do like a strawberry smoothie we like there's frosting and sprinkles and like um a huge rice crispy treat we put in the strawberry one as well like those have been huge hits on social media okay very cool yeah, yeah. all right well i have to come out to the farm it sounds like i'm missing out on some things here that i need to check out you got me with the caramel apple slush. I think that's, that's like, I gotta, I gotta check that one out. Yeah. Well, Nathan, thank you very much for your time. I, I enjoyed this was kind of cool. What we didn't cover and I'm going to bring it up. I told you I wouldn't, but I'm, I lied at the very end. I told you I looked up your college stats <laughs> and, and folks, I'm going to, I'm going to lay it out this way. Nathan scored three points in his college career. That was per ESPN and he's shaking his head. No. So <laughs> <laughs> I need okay. I want to hear your explanation of of why you you think ESPN has you down for three points. I think you know, but and then let's talk yeah. about your your college basketball career to wrap this up. Yeah, no, um, I so a lot of people they they don't get mentioned on ESPN, and um, especially like I played a Division three uh, school for basketball, but I think it was. Um, in high school, I won the AAU National Sullivan Award. So you had to like be an elite athlete and then at the same time have like tons of community service. Um, like you had to have great grades so that like being valedictorian 4.0, I kind of qualified and ended up winning it um, uh, for the whole country. And so ESPN, they uh, flew me out to um, Disney World in Florida and I got to go on the ESPN center, talk to all them. And then it was all paid for, for me and my family, like five days, like 
it was it was amazing. So I think winning that award, they were like, oh, let's check up on him his freshman year of college. And I think they saw one game where I must have got in for five minutes and it was, yeah, it was put up one shot, made a three. I obviously you said went one for two. One for two and you said three points. So you either got and fouled, like, or, but I didn't look at the free throws. So I think it was yeah, a three point. They probably forgot to ever update that over because I was there for four freshman, sophomore, junior and senior year and had a great ending to my college. Uh, so yeah, I, that's I, so, I scored more than three in the season. So what did you average as a senior? What did you average? Oh, I think it was probably uh, 10 points about 10 points there. Right. What I averaged, yeah. Okay. Now, the other thing you didn't share this time that you shared when you kind of told me the first time is that Peyton Manning won this award as well as a high school kid? Yeah, yeah. so he won the solar, the national solar. There's a few, actually. Um, I want to say... Uh, who else was there? There, there was a few. Yeah, Peyton Manning was one of them that won uh, the National um, AAU Sullivan Award. Um, oh, there's a few great female athletes too, uh, um, male athletes. Oh, I know. I'm gonna, now you're making me have to go back and look. Yeah, you up. need to go back and research that. That's cool though. That, good, on, good on yeah. you. And, and you know, so I, I just think your story is really, really cool. And I'm glad we got to sit down and talk today. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no, I, this has been awesome. I can't thank you enough. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can reach me on Twitter at Explore Law State. I'd love to hear your comments. You can also visit our website at explorewashingtonstate.com. If you know anyone who would like the show, it'd be amazing if you'd share the show with them. This is the biggest way that we grow this show. Good old word of mouth. I'm glad you were here with me today, and I hope to have you listening to the next episode. See you then.